Hey listeners, Eric here. You're getting ready to listen to an interview with one of our ministry partners here at North Cincinnati Community Church called The Shepherd's Crook and Scott and Kathy Rosenau, who are the founders of The Shepherd's Crook. And they are, as I mentioned in the interview, unique partners for our church because they not only are long-term ministry partners that we have partnered with to engage in God's both local and global mission, but they are also members here. And all throughout the 20 or so years they have been here, we as a church have served them in incredible ways to help partner with them through their mission to rescue orphans from all over the world. And we started a new ministry here at North Cincinnati Community Church called the Rosano Family Sponsorship Program that brings together uh, a couple different ministries like Just One More that many of you may have been familiar with, but also to the Rosano Meal Program. Those have all merged together into this Rosano Family Sponsorship Program. And the Rosanos themselves have over a $6,000 a month bill for their grocery expenses. So this Rosano Family Sponsorship Program is something that is set up to provide financial assistance from people like you to give on a recurring basis or a one-time basis to help provide assistance for the grocery bill. So if you are interested after this interview in tangibly supporting a great family and a great ministry, please consider giving a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift by visiting www.northcincy.org and clicking on the give link and then uh, working through the instructions to give to the Rosano Care Fund that then goes into the Rosano Care Fund and then gets depleted each month directly to the Rosano family for their grocery needs. So with that being said, enjoy this interview with the great family, the Rosano family, who are the direct founding directors of the <laughs> Shepherds Eight Crow. years to your life. Um, and in the course of that, Kathy and I became convinced that that there was a need. This was in the late 90s, uh, right around 2000. And um, special needs and difficult adoptions were not common. And we felt called to create a ministry that would work specifically to find homes for special needs orphans, um, kids that were classified as difficult to adopt. So that was the beginning of the Shepherd's Crook. We actually incorporated in January of 2002 um, over the course of the next nearly 20 years. Um, we adopted more kids. We now have adopted 19 children bringing the number in our wow. family up to 23. 23 kids. 23 yeah. kids, yeah, sorry. If I'm counting us. And our ministry has been a part of helping more than 400 kids come home to their forever families. Uh, we have some sort of sub-ministries that focus on, one of them we call orphan prevention, where we try to work with families that are in, in danger of having to put kids up for adoption to try to help them keep their kids. Um, we uh, have a ministry that's relatively new that we are really passionate about, and that is uh, an educational ministry trying to um, promote trauma-informed care for parents who have adopted kids um, who have been through trauma. And every child that's been adopted has been through some form of trauma. So um, it's, a, it's a very important issue, and it's one that we feel very strongly about, and, and we're working very hard to, to promote that ministry. Uh, did I miss anything, Ken? 
I don't think so. Um, 19 of the kids still live at home right now, plus one granddaughter. Um, we have several who are just on the verge of launching, or at least beginning to take steps in the direction of launching before the virus hit, and that's kind of slowed things down. But um, yeah, but that's that's pretty much everything in a nutshell. Very long story, short version yeah. of it. Yeah. So can, can you just, this is more my curiosity, because I actually don't know, but What's the age range of your kids? Our children, our oldest will be 40 in January. And she and her husband have nine okay. children, and five of those are adopted. And he is also the um, executive, um, uh, I can't find my words, executive assistant to the Shepherd's Crook. Um, so they work with us in this ministry. And then we have three 10-year-olds at the end. Like The first one has turned 11 this summer, so they're gradually turning 11 now. So this is the first time in... Wow, 40 years, we haven't had, almost 40 years that we haven't had a little one in our house. It's kind of a weird feeling. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how old is your granddaughter? Our granddaughter um, will be six in December. The one that lives at okay. home. We have 12 six. grandchildren total. So, um, but the one that lives with us will be six in December. Yes, I'm sorry. That's the okay. one that lives at home. Yes. Gotcha. Well, so I love to, I love the transition and just hear a little bit, little bit about how is life and ministry going for you all? And in our, as we prepare for this interview, I, I mentioned about talking about how the she, both the shepherd's crook and also how uh, maybe life is for you personally. But let's start with the shepherd's crook. Just how is how is ministry, and what is what is adoption looking like in the age of the coronavirus? How has the global pandemic shaped or not shaped how ministry has looked for the Shepherd's Crook. I'd love to just hear an update, yeah, on how sure. things are going. Okay, so, um, well, we've seen a tremendous change in the adoption picture over the years we've been doing this ministry anyway. Um, sadly, it hasn't been a, a positive change because so many countries have um, changed their rules about children who can be adopted, and there have been a lot of um, international restrictions put in place, and it's been much harder to get children out of other countries, um, even when the adoptions are done legally. And But it's still plugging along. There's still adoptions going on. The, um, the coronavirus itself, because our ministry is run by... Um, we have a staff of volunteers spread all over the country, and most everything is done from home already. But um, so, you know, as far as our work with agencies and everything goes, that's continued pretty much as it was before. But it has affected some of our families who were not able to adopt to bring their children home. I know we have one family who was going to be traveling to Ukraine and it delayed them um, a couple of different times. They're pretty much back on track now from what I understand. Um, another family is trying to get to China to adopt a child. And I actually haven't heard an update for them in a, from them in a little while, so I'm not sure where that stands. But I know that it delayed things for them for sure, trying to get to China to adopt this little girl who really needs to be adopted. Um Probably the biggest way it's affected us, the biggest ways, are um, in that we could no longer do public speaking. Um, we have not been able mm -hmm. to sit down and meet face-to-face. -face. Scott and I love to sit down and meet with couples one-on-one -on -one who have questions about adoption or are considering adoption, and we haven't been able to do that. Um, and we also have had to, to cancel all of our um, training classes and workshops that Scott mentioned earlier. That's a big part of what we do now, trying to educate parents and get resources into their hands about um, helping them learn to parent children from backgrounds of trauma. And that's been a big disappointment. We've had to postpone all of those plans for now. 
just, it sounds like so much of, yeah, what you do is advocating and um, like you said, speaking and yeah, learning to trust God in, in new and different ways, even in the midst of a global pandemic uh, to, to try to, to and, and help these children and rescue these children. Um, so that is definitely something I'll ask you at the end, how we can be praying for you, but that is definitely in your ministry, Thank but you. that is definitely something to keep in mind. We'll, we'll invite us into just how are the Rosinos doing? How, how has life either either continued the same or changed just in, in your home life for the Rosinos? family yeah just how how are you guys doing well in in some ways the virus and the you know staying at home and so forth haven't impacted us greatly because for about a year and a half prior to the onset of this pandemic we were quarantined anyway because we had multiple surgeries going on and then complications following the surgery for one of our daughters and you know we were kind of quarantined just to because she had to have a surgery every week during that that year and um so we were just about to come out of all of that uh when suddenly the pandemic hits and everything kind of goes back to <laughs> uh, isolation and and or quarantine so in some ways it hasn't really impacted us except that everybody was really looking forward to getting out of that mode and getting back into normal life we have a few of our kids that are old enough now that they're kind of ready to launch into the world and a lot of the plans that we were putting together for that have had to be put on hold um you know for jobs and, and things like that um so there have been you know, stresses. Everybody I know feels the stress associated with this kind of long-term wondering, worrying, um, you know, about about the virus. Um, so Being stuck the whole this never-ending Groundhog Day that we're all living in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, those are the, the things that come to my mind. Uh, it was sure. it was a pretty significant blow initially because everybody, you know, especially the kids, were just. They were they've been so great through this, but they were weary, you know, they really were looking forward to trying to get back to life again and for that to happen, for it to happen right as we were coming out of that. You know, it was it was disappointing. But in some ways it was kind of um encouraging and that we weren't alone in it anymore. We kinda of, initially we kind of felt like, well, at least the rest of the world is joining us here now. So we you know we have we're not by ourselves in this place. And but I think everybody's ready for it to be over now. Yeah, sure, sure. You just were kind of reminding me of, yeah, there's been kind of a collective cultural that represents itself individually, grief. Of, right. uh, there was an expectation of how life was going to look in 2020, and that expectation was different uh, than how it turned out, which can create a lot of grief in people, and uh, people handle grief in different ways, I guess. So, Definitely, yeah. That's yeah. a really good, really good point. Well, hey, I would love this. So this is unscripted. So you mentioned how you guys are efforts are, are uh, you know, you have efforts to launch a new ministry or have launched a new ministry um, about trauma-competent care. Talk about that for just a second. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. When we started adopting so many years ago, this stuff didn't even exist. There, the, a lot of the research and, and learning about it by the professionals has been done, you know, in, in the 21st century. And um, it hasn't even been available for that long. But the, the things that have been discovered are, are pretty key in understanding why these kids that come home from difficult adoptions and difficult backgrounds have so many 
difficulties dealing with life and and it uh, most of it comes down to trauma and the impact of trauma on the developing brain of a child um, and some methods have been developed. The, the one that we generally are, are mostly key in on is the trust-based relational intervention um, pioneered by the Texas Christian University, the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. Um, and the methods, we, we have been able to co-sponsor along with North Cincinnati and Tried and True Parenting. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank now myself. Workshops, uh, uh, a conference each year. Conference, yeah. Um, Empowered to Connect Conference is what it used to be called. I'm calling it something different now. Um, and that brings parents in and allows them to experience, first of all, they learn about the science behind it and then about methods to help their children deal with um, the consequences of this trauma. and um, Modifications that can be made to your parenting techniques that were, they were huge for us. Um, we had... From the time we started adopting, you know, we recognized that there were some differences in the way we needed to parent our adopted children compared to our biological children. But we didn't really understand everything behind that. And as the years passed and we started the Shepherd's Crook, we began to have more and more parents coming to us and saying, I need resources, I need help. And we didn't have anything to offer them. Um, We started learning about Dr. Karen Purvis and her methods I don't know, in in the 2000s and didn't really know a lot about what she was doing. And we found out about um, some workshops she was going to be doing in Nashville in 2014, I believe it was. Was it 15? And um, so Scott and I immediately signed up to go to those because we felt like we need to find out what this is about so we can answer other people's questions. But we were also experiencing a number of struggles with some of our children at that time, too. So we went in and sat down. And from the moment she started talking, I mean, I was crying and I was jotting down kids' names besides the comments she was making, my children's names, because she just nailed it. And she was um, sadly, um, we lost her, I guess, in 2017. Is that when so. she died? A few years after that. She was fighting cancer when we saw her speak. And she, her heart was just amazing. She's so passionate for these kids and um, just incredibly gifted by God to know how to reach these children and how to teach these methods to parents to help them know how to reach their kids. And we came home and started modifying some of our parenting techniques a little bit. And one of our daughters was like 16 at this time, one of the ones who had been really struggling. And we began to see some, maybe she was 15, 15 or 16, but we began to see some some pretty shocking changes happen pretty quickly with her. And she's great now. She's amazing now. But then we felt like we've got to, we got to tell more people about this. So that's when we started trying to learn more and more about how we could spread the word and get more people involved because parents are still just struggling out there. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny that you say that because guess what? I am one of those people that you got involved because <laughs> right. we meet uh, and, and try uh, when there's not a global pandemic <laughs> to host a conference here at North Cincinnati Community Church. And wouldn't this be a perfect time to give a shameless plug for that conference? Absolutely. We knew a little bit more about what was going on. So 
but we don't, but we, yeah, uh, for our listeners, we usually host a Empowered to Connect conference that Scott had mentioned every year here at North Cincinnati Community Church. It has been put on hold, and I think that we'll probably be meeting here soon as a team to discuss if there are, are other possibilities out yeah. there for that. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, we've been limited to well, mostly just being able to kind of reach people one-on-one since all of this happened. And I mean, there's a, an American family living in Bolivia, actually, in the jungles of Bolivia, who are have been given custody of four little Bolivian girls. And they're wow. just wow. really struggling and reached out to us and said, can you help us? Do you have anything? And so we're in the process of trying to put together tons of materials and a player and get everything to them to help them. But the virus is making that a little bit of a challenge, too, to try to get these materials into their hands. So, but yeah, we, we continue yes. trying. It's just very small numbers at the moment. Yeah, the need is still there and there is still work to be done. It just may look a little different than expected. Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, I love to transition and close out our time for, uh, yeah, just what are ways that we as a church here at North Cincy can be, can be partnering with you in prayer? Uh, whether that be for the shepherd's crook um, or for you as a family personally. Yeah. Just what are ways that we can be, can be partnering with you through prayer? Well, there are um, so many prayers that are constant in our minds when it comes to the world of inner, of adoption. Um, there are so very, very many children out there that don't have homes, they don't have families that, uh, of their own. And, you know, our biggest prayer all the time is just that, that God would use us to provide, to help connect these kids with, with forever families more and more and more. Um, so, you know, doing our part to reduce the number of orphans in the world. Um, and in addition to that, there are so many orphanages and care centers and foster, uh, homes. foster homes that just need resources, um, especially, you know, during a global pandemic. Um, so that is an area of prayer for us constantly. And then I think that we would be able to get back to these uh, teaching sessions and, and so forth that we've been talking about because um, the need is is critical and and you know one of the tragedies that we see over and over again is is what we call dissolved adoptions adoptions that have been com completed and the family is just for a variety of reasons no longer able to to parent the particular child and so they actually legally dissolve the adoption and the child is adopted by another family that, and that that's just more trauma and more difficulty for these children to have to go through and if we could if we could stop just one or two of those by by these, these teaching methods that God has brought to us, that you know that would be just amazing. So that's a constant prayer of ours, and of course for both the family and the ministry, our, our constant prayer is is financial. You know, money, um, because uh, this large family and this ongoing ministry both require a lot of money. Um, we have regular supporters for the ministry, but the regular support is less than our regular expenses. So we're constantly praying that God would bring more regular supporters along and uh, that he would just continue, as he has done for the last 18 years, to provide everything we need to be able to keep doing this work. Well, yeah. Well, listeners, either whether you're a part of North Cincinnati Community Church or not, we encourage you to be praying for this wonderful and great family. And Scott and Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond the 52 podcast and inviting us in a little bit to what life is like for you and has been like for you and in ways that we can continue to be lifting you up. So thank you thank for you, being Eric. with us. Thank you, I really appreciate it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a pleasure. It is, and hopefully we'll be able to see you face to face. We would love too. that. Yeah. Yes. And to our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Scott and Kathy and their story in the Shepherd's Crook, you can go go to their website, www.tsctorphans.org, to learn more about them. And be sure to subscribe to Beyond the 52, the podcast of North Cincinnati Community Church, as we are doing these ministry partner conversations every month. Uh, in this this upcoming ministry year where we are highlighting different partnerships and what is going on with them. So thank you for joining us.